Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we now take a moment or two to think about your scripture, about your word, about this call to remain connected, to abide in you. As we turn our hearts towards you, Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit might join us. Lord, help us to hear your voice. Help us to think your thoughts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be your words, your meditations and your thoughts. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're thinking this morning about the uh, true vine, and I want to uh, paint a little picture for you and then uh, share with you a little allegory. So the picture I want to paint for you is a picture of a, a vineyard in wine country in Oregon. I don't know if you've been out to Oregon and have seen wine country in Oregon, but it really is beautiful. It's, it's a Yamhill County and parts of Marion County and Polk County. And um, if you've not been there, it's, it's, it's these big hills and, and then big valleys down in the middle of them. And, and, and on all the south-facing hills, there is now vineyards and, 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 and big rows of vines growing on them. And during the spring and the summer, these, these big rows of vines are, are these ribbons of green up and down the hillside. It's, it's just gorgeous. And, and then during the fall, th those, those ribbons of green, they become gold. The, the, the leaves change, and there's these ribbons of gold running up and down the hillside. And, and it's, it's, it's just beautiful. So sometime, you, you got to get there. It's, it's, it's as beautiful as it's, it's better than you can imagine. It's, it's terrific, right? You just got to get there. So... Imagine with me a vineyard on the hillside, and um, running through um, wine country is Highway 18. And Highway 18, uh, it leaves Highway 99 up around the Portland area, and then it goes out through uh, Yamhill County and through wine country. And if you follow Highway 18 all the way, you'll, you'll end up at the beach at the Oregon coast. Now, the Oregon coast is, um, it's not, it, it's cold, right? The water is always cold, and it's not a place that you want to go swim, but it really is also very beautiful, sandy, and, and you know, all those kinds of things. So imagine with me, once upon a time, on a vine growing in a vineyard in the wine country of Oregon, at the end of the row, down by the road, Highway 18, imagine once upon a time, there was a little branch. And the little branch she was connected to the larger branch. And she spent her days connected to the larger branch. And um, she did the, the, the things that little branches do, right? She, she grew fruit. She put out little tendril shoots. She did her thing as a branch connected to the larger vine. Now, as she hung there connected to the larger vine, she did as, um, well... Branches do. She started to dream, and she had a dream, a big dream. As she hung there, she watched people drive by every day, and the cars were filled with kids, families that were going down to the beach. And as she hung there, connected to the true vine, she started to think about what it might be like to go to the beach. And she realized it must be really cool to go to the beach. It must be just, she imagined what it must be like to touch a starfish. She imagined what it must be like to, to, to touch the sand and to hear the roar of the waves. And she wondered if the, the water really was as cold as people say. And of course, it's Oregon because the water is always cold. So yes, it is really that cold. 
So she dreamed about going to the beach. She saw the people go down to the beach in the morning and in the evening, right around dark, they'd come the other way, heading back home, and, and there'd be sand stuck to the car, and, and the kids would smell like salt, and, and she knew that the beach would be pretty cool. So she hung there, connected to the vine, and she dreamed of going to the beach. Oh, she said, I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the beach. So one day she decided, this is the day. I'm going to the beach. She planned what she would do at the beach. She'd go see the seals. She'd, she'd, she'd see the tide pools. She'd, she'd, she'd maybe build a sandcastle. She was going to the beach. And so she decided this is the day, and she let go of the true vine. And she fell down into the row there. And there, there, there she lay. She lay there for a week or so, and, and then the guy who cuts the grass came through, and he chopped her in two or three pieces. And there she lay. At the end of the season, the guy who uh, runs the lawnmower also had a rake, and so he raked up everything that was in the, the row and, and took it down to the end of the row and, and made a pile, and then it scooped up the pile and took it to a bigger pile. And th then the uh, vineyard, they had a, a new vintage celebration. They had a big old party in the back of the, of the chateau, and, 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 and they invited people over, and they opened the new wine, and they burned the pile as a bonfire. And that's the end of the story of the little vine. Now, I share that with you because, well, we're talking about vines and vineyards and being connected to the true vine. And I don't know if you caught this in the scripture, but Jesus says that if you don't remain connected to the vine, what happens with you? You're no good for anything and you get scooped up and thrown in the fire. So I want us to think about this for a minute. Not that I'm going to preach hellfire and brimstone. We could if we want, but let's not. But let's think about this being connected to the vine. Jesus is calling us to, to stay connected to the vine. So we got to figure out what exactly that means. Now, last Sunday, we talked about the good shepherd. And I shared with you that when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, everybody who was listening said, oh, yeah. They all liked that metaphor a lot. They really got into this idea of the good shepherd because the scriptures are filled with uh, the good shepherd and how God was going to send a, a shepherd who would shepherd the people and not throw them to the wolves. And, and Jesus, when he said, I'm the good shepherd, everyone, they all nodded and shook their heads and said, oh, yeah, that's good. That, oh, that's, that's good stuff. But this Sunday, we're talking about Jesus saying, I am the true vine. And the original listeners, those folks who heard it first, they did not shake their heads and enjoy it in the same way that they shook their heads and enjoyed the good shepherd. Now, the people of Israel, they loved the vine image and the vine metaphor. They loved it. In the book that we're reading by Rob Fuquay, he said that the vine was carved all over everything everywhere in Israel. They loved this vine image. And on the temple, there was a giant vine carved onto it. And there were um, grapes that were gold grapes that were as big as people's heads on the temple. And that this vine motif, this vine image, did you see the vine when you were in Israel? Okay, Clayton says that it really was there. All right, so they loved this vine image. And the reason they loved this vine image is that they understood that they were the vine. And they all read Psalm 80 a couple of times a year. I don't, I don't know if you remember Psalm 80, but part of it, verse 8, goes this way. 
You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove away the nation. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It set out branches to the sea and shoots to the river. They understood. They also read the the Exodus passage where God took them out of Egypt. They said, yes, you, Lord, brought us out of Egypt, and then you planted us here in this land, and we are the vine. We're the ones that have spread from sea to the Euphrates River. We're the ones who've covered the land. We are the vine. And then Jesus says to them, "Mm, I am the vine. And they're like, no, you're not. We're the vine. Now, Jesus was taking this image that was beloved to all of them. He was taking what what, uh, they all knew themselves to be. I am the vine. And he was changing it. And what he did was change the rules. Where once upon a time before Jesus, if you were born as a member of the tribe and born in the right place at the right time with the right mother, then you could be part of God's community. Then you could be part of what God was doing in the world, God's saving action. It used to be about being born as a branch of the vine. But what Jesus said was, nope, I'm the vine. And you get to be a part of what God is doing by being connected with me, by hanging on to me, by abiding in me. Where once it was about how you were born, now it's about a choice that you make, a belief that you have, a way that you're going to live. Once upon a time it was about being born, right? Now it's about believing and being connected in the right way. Do you hear the difference? Once upon a time, you had to be a part of the tribe, which would have left all of us out. Now, it's about being connected to Jesus. It's about believing and loving and abiding in him. It's about remaining connected to the true vine, if you will. So let's think about what it means to be connected to the true vine. As we heard the the scripture and and as we heard Jesus telling us, abide in him, I don't know if you caught what it meant to abide in him. There was something about love in there. There was something about his word. He talked about being cleansed by his word and abiding in his word. So first thing that we got to know and understand about being connected to Jesus is that it means knowing something about his word reading his word, living his word, understanding his word, knowing his word. Now, now some of y'all are thinking, oh, goodness, he's going to nag us about reading our Bibles. No, I'm not. But you do know that being a follower of Jesus means you got to know something about what's in the book, right? you got to have some familiarity, some sense of what Jesus is saying in his teachings. you, you, you got to know something about your Bible. Because if you don't, you just can't stay connected to him. I I was talking to somebody a few weeks back, and this person was really struggling to pray. They felt like they needed to pray, but they felt like they couldn't pray. And I said, well, why why, why can't you pray? And they they said to me, I don't think God wants to talk to me. And and that broke my heart. I don't think God wants to talk to me. See, they'd been 
doing some things and making some choices that they thought God wouldn't approve of. And, and so they, they told me that they didn't think God wanted to talk to them. And as someone who knows my Bible reasonably well, I, I, my heart was just broken. Because the first thing that I think of when I talk, think about how God wants to relate to us is, is the story of the prodigal son. Y'all remember the prodigal son? Luke chapter 15, where God is described as a father who is standing on the hillside with his arms out wide open, waiting day after day for his son to come home. And this son has, has done everything wrong. This son has, has just completely offended his father, disrespected his father. He, he said his, told his father, I wish you were dead. Give me my money that I'm going to inherit when you die. He took all the money and he went out to some far land and he squandered his, his, uh, his, his money in dissolute living. We can guess what that might be. He did everything wrong. And yet what's the father want? The father wants him to come home. The father's standing on the hillside wondering, is today the day that my son comes back? Jesus says that's how God is. Always waiting for us, always looking for us, always hoping for us. We call that provenient grace, the grace that runs before us, this, this love that God has that is always out ahead of us. So when this person says, I don't think God wants to hear from me, I want to say, come on now. That's exactly the opposite of everything we read in our Bibles. And if you know what's in the Bible, you can say, I kind of understand God. I'm connected to God. I kind of have a sense of what God wants and what God hopes for and what God dreams about. I kind of get God. And it's easy to stay connected to a God you get. It's hard to stay connected to a God you don't get. So when Jesus says, abide in me and my word has already cleansed you and abide in my word. I think first thing we got to know when we're thinking about how do we stay connected to the true vine is, well, we got to spend a little time with our Bibles and know sort of what it says. Jesus also talks about the commandments, about following his commandments, about, about doing as he has told us to do. Now, again, you may be thinking, oh, he's going to nag us about following a bunch of rules. No. No. What, do you remember, though, what, what the, great command, the greatest commandment is? Somebody said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Y'all remember that? What was the greatest commandment? Love your Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. We, sisters and brothers are called to love. And we remain connected to God. We remain, we abide in Jesus when we live in love. And everybody likes to talk about love, but holy smokes, it's hard to do. Everybody loves to talk about love. But then when it comes to changing our life to take care of neighbor, when it comes to adjusting how we do and what we do and where we do and where we go, when it comes to acting in different ways to love, well, now we're talking about something hard. But that's how we abide in Jesus. We live in love. We walk in love. We love above all other things. 
So how do I stay close to Jesus? How do I abide in him? How do I make sure that I'm holding on to the, the, the true vine and not dropping off to get raked up and thrown away? I love and I spend time making sure that I know what God is really saying and, and, and what it looks like. Now, when we do this, when we remain connected to Jesus, we find ourselves getting pruned back a little bit. We, we find ourselves getting cut off from some of the things that we might have wanted to do back in the day. We find ourselves getting um, pruned where we got to get rid of some of the ideas that we have that we know won't lead us anywhere. If we're a little branch on a big vine uh, next to Highway 18 on a hillside, we probably don't need to go to the beach because that's just not where we need to be and who we need to be and what we need to be about. Now, you all have these kinds of ideas that come into your head that you know isn't who you are and what you need to be about, same as everybody else, Right? And Jesus prunes those things away from us, says, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I'll give you an example. <laughs> so I was traveling one time, and a guy I was traveling with said, uh, yeah, you want to go to a strip club? And my first thought was, who takes a preacher to a strip club? <laughs> right? I mean, why would you do that? But my second thought was, oh, I could get away with it. No one would ever know. Right? But because I abide in Jesus, you know, my third thought was all those things that we all, I mean, I know kind of my scripture reasonably well, and I know something about, I don't know, Jesus talked about looking at somebody in lust, and, and I know Jesus talked about uh, loving God and loving neighbor, and, 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 and no, no, I can't, no, I won't. That's that pruning business. Sometimes you got to say no, and God helps you to prune away those things that, you know, aren't where you need to be, and sometimes it's even harder. When I was, um, when we first got married, uh, when I was single, and then when we first got married, then we had a baby, I was a big skier. I loved to ski. I would ski 20 to 30 days a year. I did not live in Illinois at the time. Um, <laughs> But I skied 20 to 30 days a year. I love skiing. The thing about being a pastor is you can always find somebody to go skiing with, right? Middle of the week, somebody's retired and they ski. I can always ski. And then I could call it church work, right? I mean, it was good, it was good life. Anyway, so I was a big skier. And, um, and then I came to understand that uh, skiing was really getting in the way of my relationship. And then we had a baby and, and um, it's difficult to take care of babies when you're out skiing, right? It, it just doesn't work very well. And so I remember having a come-to-Jesus moment with my own self because my wife was really mad at me. I went skiing one day, and I think she had worked all night the night before. She was a nurse and worked night shift and had worked all night, and then someone had to take care of the baby, and, and I went skiing. And um, I was in deep, I was in deep doogie, right? It was not good. Um, and I remember having a, a come-to-Jesus moment with my own self that it's time to let this one go, right? And I went from skiing 20 to 30 days a year to two or three or one. <laughs> and that was the right thing to do, right? Sometimes we got to prune 
some things off of us. So Jesus is calling us on this morning. He's calling us to, uh, to abide in him. To be a part of him and him be a part of us. To, to be integrated like the, the, the vine and the branch. And our temptation is always to, to be the little branch on the vine that gets big ideas about going places that we have no business going. We get big ideas about doing things our own way and wandering off on our own path and our own program. We, we, we're little branches that want to go to the beach. And little branches have no need to go to the beach. Nothing wrong with the beach. But little branches have no need to go to the beach. Jesus is calling us to abide in him. And the first way we do that is to spend some time with the scripture and know what he's really saying. And the second thing is we follow his commandments and that greatest commandment of love. And if we can do that, we can abide in him. My invitation on this morning is that you spend some time abiding in him. Would you join me in prayer? God, we are so thankful for a reminder to abide in you. And we confess to you that sometimes we don't do a very good job of it. Sometimes we get big ideas like little branches that want to go to the beach. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us to stay connected with you. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.